0: Uh, today we are beginning a new series of messages so we'll be going through this for the rest of the month and we are calling it American Idols. Now for those of you who are American Idol fans you know that this is the last season and so for us to uh, celebrate that we're going to do each Sunday is I'm going to pick one person uh, in, the, in the congregation I'll have you come up and then we're going to let you audition in front of everybody. So, uh, does that sound like fun? I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. But uh, American Idol is, uh, obviously, it's an interesting show uh, that's on. It's very popular. It's kind of, you know, of course this is the last season, kind of petering out. But we are doing, we're taking a different take on American Idols. And uh, the different take is, I, I read a book uh, back in December called Gods at War. And it's by a guy named Kyle Eidelman. And he talks about how idolatry the worship of idols is still something that takes place today now i know that typically whenever we think of idol worship what we think of is we think of some guy you know like in deepest darkest africa he's bowing down to a little tiny wooden or stone statue or something like that and then we look at that and we think well we we don't do stuff like that in america you know we're sophisticated society we're well educated all of that stuff but but i'm here today to let you know that we still have idol worship, even in America. And it might not be the little tiny statues, but, but we are worshiping things. There are things that we are putting before God in our relationship with Him. And that's idolatry. You know, there's, a, there's a lot of different things that, that we worship. Um, I, I see people who worship their their careers or they worship their material things or they worship sports. And just anything that goes before God is something that's called idol worship. And so we're kind of hearkening back to the Ten Commandments. If you remember the first couple of commandments, uh, one thing that God tells us is that we are to have no other gods before Him. And so that today, that's why we are talking about idol worship, idolatry, and hopefully about how we can move it out of our lives and eliminate it. And I thought this would be a good time of year to do that. You know, this is uh, uh, the beginning of 2016 where many of us, we end up making New Year's resolutions. And we make resolutions like, you know, I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to exercise more. If you are a member of the Y, you're probably noticing many of those New Year's resolutions people. And I'm rooting for them. I'm reading for you guys. I just hope you quit coming at my time because uh, it's really interfering with my stuff. And life is pretty much—I mean, I might be—that might be idol worship, worshiping what I want. But anyway, uh, we are—we are going through this series talking about how we can eliminate and remove idol worship in our lives. And one of the inter- interesting things to discover is that God made us with the ability to be able to choose whatever it is that we want to worship. Now we're all going to worship something. Everybody's going to worship something. And God allows us to make that decision. You know, we live in a country where we have the opportunity to make decisions, where we have the opportunity to make choices and, and to vote for things. Now, later on this year, we're going to have the opportunity to vote in a presidential election. And with so many people voting, it's, it's easy to say, does my vote really matter? Is it really that big of a deal? Did you, did you know that votes, your vote as an individual, do you know it matters? There's a lot of stuff that has, that has happened or not happened very simply because of one vote. I, I just, I read through some things that we voted on in our country that passed just because of one vote. It's an interesting one. Uh, during the American Revolution, there was a bill that went before Congress to change our national language from English to German. Because we were so mad at the English. It, it, it only, it only was defeated by one vote. Or we, I'd be up here speaking German. Yeah, isn't that incredible? And another thing is we, we elected a president who, who won the election by one electoral college vote. Adolf Hitler came into power by one vote. So, so votes matter. But there is a greater campaign that is going on in, in our world today more important than who's going to win president. Uh, there's a greater campaign that is going on in our nation today that is greater than the, 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 uh, the differences between Democrats and Republicans. It is a campaign that is going on that is between good and evil, that is between God and Satan, and the battleground is your life and it is my life, and it's going to be determined who wins by one vote, and it's going to be your vote. And so that's why we're looking at American idols today. And the question for us today is who is it, as we are beginning this new year, who is it that we are going to serve? You know, what choice are we going to make in life? Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve the things of this world? And so I just want to remind you, your vote matters. So it's important that we choose wisely because we're involved in a war. Now, in our Scripture today, we're going to see a man named Joshua who was pointing out to the people of Israel, he was the leader of the people of Israel, and he was pointing out to them that they had a decision to make on whether or not they were going to follow God. And he said, listen, it's going to be one way or the other. You have to make a choice. But he said, before you cast your vote and say, yeah, I really do want to follow God, and I know at the beginning of a new year, it's easy for us to say, I'm going to do things differently. And when it comes to matters of faith, my relationship with God... I'm really going to live for Him. But before you make that decision, there's a few things that you and I need to understand before we cast that vote. And so that's why today we're going to be looking in Joshua chapter 24. And we're going to be looking in verses 14 and 15. And so if you have your Bible and you want to look there, uh, that's where we're going to be reading from today. Now Israel had recently entered into the Promised Land. Now if you remember, before they went into the Promised Land... Y'all remember, that they, they wandered around in the wilderness. You, know, you remember for how many years? Forty years. The man who was the leader of the people during that time was Moses. Now, at this point in our Scripture, the people have already entered into the Promised Land. The one who was their leader at this time was the man who followed Moses. His name was Joshua. Now, Joshua, at this point in Joshua 24, he's coming to the end of his life. And so he wants to speak to the people again before he dies and he wants them to he wants to, he wants them to reaffirm their commitment to God. He said either cho- choose God to serve him or not, but you have to make a decision. So but if you choose God, there's some things you need to understand. And I think this challenge that he gives is a challenge for us today. If we decide, if we say that we are going to follow Jesus, then there are some things that we really need to take into consideration. And so let's take a look at a few of them. Well, the first thing for us to consider before we cast our vote for God is understand this. If you say you're going to choose God, it means you're going to serve Him. If we're saying we're going to choose God, then that means that we will serve Him. Now now look with me in verse number 14. It's what Joshua said to the people of Israel. He said, Therefore, fear the Lord and worship Him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your ancestors, ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord... It says, choose for yourselves today the ones you will worship. The God your fathers worshiped beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. Now, at the beginning here, Joshua wanted the Israelites to understand that if they were going to say that they were followers of God, he said, then you need to back it up by the way that you live. So if you say that you're going to choose God, then the evidence of it that you've really chosen Him is going to be in the way that you live. Now, I think we all know this. We know that, you know, we know that words, words mean a whole lot more when your actions back them up, right? Now, we we know that about everything in life, and yet many times when it comes to matters of faith, we think that what we say matters, but really how we live really isn't that big of a deal. I mean that's, that's absolutely not true. Your actions give proof that you believe in what you say. There's an old story about a man who came down from the mountains of North Carolina, and he had a bunch of luggage with him. He's carrying a big old family Bible. You all know those Bibles that weigh like 85 pounds, and he's like carrying it under his arm. He's walking down the mountain, and his friends saw him walking down. And he said, "What in the world are you doing? Where are you going?" Well, I'm going to New Orleans. Said I heard it's a great town. There's a lot of liquor there, a lot of gambling, good-looking women. So I'm going down there. He said, "Well, why are you carrying your Bible?" He said, "Well, because if I have a good enough time, I might stay over until Sunday." Now, ha ha ha. Now the thing is, with that, is that we can say one thing, but the way that we live backs up really what we believe listen to what jesus said jesus said in matthew 5 17 through 20 every good tree so is going to produce good fruit but a bad tree produces bad fruit a good tree can't produce bad fruit neither can a bad tree produce good fruit I and mean, we know this and every tree that doesn't produce good fruit it is cut down and thrown into the fire so you will recognize them by their fruit you want to recognize who somebody really is? You want to find out what's really important to a person? Look at the way we live. You want to find out what's important in your life? Look and see where you, where you spend your time. Look and see where you spend your money. Your actions give evidence as to what you really believe in. Now, the Israelites had come into a new country. And the people that were living around them at this time, they didn't follow God. They, they were living for themselves. They were living for their pleasure. They're living for whatever it is that they wanted. And so Joshua said, you need to take precaution not to fall into their way of life. Why? Because whenever we step outside the boundaries that God has for us, we forfeit the blessings of God. Joshua said, man, be careful. Don't go after what your heart desires, what you want. He said, be faithful to God. God. So what were the people to do? Well, he said, you have a decision to make. And it's a serious one. In verse number 14, Joshua let them know that choosing God meant more than just saying that you were going to follow Him. He said, it involves the way that you live. And the same thing is still true for us today. It's it's real easy to to stand up and say, I follow God. It's easy for me to stand up here and preach. You know what's hard for me? It is to live it. Isn't that crazy? Y'all, I can... I can preach and tell you everything you're supposed to do. Let me tell you where I struggle. I struggle in application. And I, too, have to make a decision like you. Am I going to live for God or am I going to live for the world? You know, just because we, we might go to church and just because we might say that we're followers of God, that just, that's, not, that's not the proof in the pudding. Proof in the pudding is the way that I live. So, so what can we do? How can we demonstrate that we follow God? Well, if you look in verse number 14, at the very beginning, he says we are to respect God and to worship Him. Uh, We're to fear God. Now, the word fear does not mean to be afraid of God, you know, like we run away from Him and hide. The word fear, it means to respect. So how do you and I, how do we respect God? If you are a parent, think about it like this, how do you know that your children are respecting you? It's pretty simple. They do what you tell them to do. Amen? That is, that is it, It's obedience. That is what it means to respect. And the same thing is still true with God. And God has set up standards for us. He says, this is where I want you to walk. Now, if you get outside of that, he says, then you're not respecting me. But when you walk according to my standards, I'll bless you. Some of the standards God has for us, one of the standards God has for us is that we are to, to that we are to live in morality, that we are to shun immorality. Now, why did God set up a fence there? Is it because God didn't want us to be any fun? Is it because God was trying to be a party pooper and said, I don't want y'all to have a good time. Are you afraid if y'all get outside there, you start seeing how good life really is? It's not it. God put up his standards, his fences, in order to protect us, not to make us miserable. You know, whenever we step outside of God's standards and His morality, you know what happens? People are damaged. People are hurt. People's relationships and their lives are scarred, and their relationship with God is damaged. And that's why Joshua wanted the people to understand that if they were going to choose God, then they needed to be obedient to Him because God's standards are good. In Galatians five twenty four it says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we say we're going to live by the Spirit, he says, Then walk by the Spirit. As if if we're going to say that we choose God, then understand this, choosing God it means serving him. If you choose God, it will be evident in your life, in my life, the way we live. But then he says, I want you to also understand this. If you decide you're going to choose God, understand that you are going to be responsible. You're going to be held accountable for serving Him. That's a little bit scary. But he's just being real upfront and honest. Verse number 15. Joshua said, But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship, the gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. Now again, the Israelites, he's saying, "You have a choice. You get to determine who it is that you 're going to serve in this life. And the same thing 's still true for us today. God allows us to choose and make decisions. God will not coerce you and me into following Him and being obedient to him. he 's not going to do it. Now, I think it 'd be nice sometimes if God would force me to do the right things, and that way I could avoid heartache. But God doesn't do that. He gives me a choice. Now, why does He do that? It's real simple. It's because He loves us. God allows you to choose because He loves you. Now, think about it like this: Can, can have you? Did you force? If for those of you who are married, did you force the person you marry to love you? If you how if you did, how well did that go? Yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of times whenever when Emily might get frustrated at me, and I would like to force her to love me. Um, but for some weird reason that makes it worse. You ought to love me. Look at all I've done for you. And then the list is pretty small. But you know, I, I would like to force it, but it doesn't work that way. Now, you know whenever, whenever love is appreciated more? It's when somebody chooses to love you. Now, being all romantic and everything, do you all remember when that happened? Wasn't that weird for you? I mean, it was for me. To know that somebody just chose to love me. And you think, really? I mean, because who knows yourself better than you? And you think, why would somebody choose to love me? And then I remember. No, I'm kidding. Hey, why would somebody choose to love me? And it's something that is overwhelming and that it's powerful. But if God forced us to do anything, then that means that we would be his slaves. And we would not be free. See, God wants sons, he doesn't want slaves. See, we, we, we can't hide from our responsibility. God gives us a responsibility to serve. He says, listen, if you're going to choose me, then it means that you're going to live for me, that you're going to choose to love me. But if you don't choose that, then don't follow me. Galatians 5.7 says, Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. We are responsible for the decisions that we make. And it's real easy today to make excuses as to why we don't follow God. You know, I can say, hey, listen, you didn't know my parents. My parents are bad people, and so they just really influenced me in a bad way, and so I don't want to have anything to do with God. Now, I understand that, but guys, let me tell you something. When the rubber hits the road, it's no excuse. You either decide on your own to choose God or not. Can't say, well, the environment I grew up in. That's why I'm not going to follow God. Now, I understand that. Let me tell you something. It's an excuse. And God demands that you be responsible. You get to choose. It's your choice, but you have to make a decision. And that brings me to the last thing. Joshua says, if you're going to follow God, understand God demands a decision from you, if you're going to follow Him or not. And in the decision, it's either yes or it's no. Verse 15, the last time I'll read it. If it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship, the gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. Now Joshua was telling the people, listen, make a decision. Either choose God or not. And really, whenever we come here to worship, whenever we have our Bible studies, that is ultimately what we're saying. You know what, guys? We have to make a decision. We either choose to serve Him or not, or not serving. Now, I know for me, it's easy to one day say, Sunday I'm going to live for God, and then Monday comes. And I kind of hop over on Monday and decide I'm going to live for me. And then maybe Wednesday I get convicted, and I'm going to live for God again, and just sort of go back and forth. Now, this reminds me of the prophet Elijah in First Kings 18. You might remember the story. Joshua went up on Mount Carmel and they were trying to determine whose God's real. Is it the God of Baal or is it the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And the people were there vacillating. They They were trying to serve both gods. And here's what Elijah said to the people. He said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, he said, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. He said, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? That word waver, it means to jump from one side to another. I'm serving God today. I'm living for me today. And you kind of go back and forth. As we tell you something, it doesn't work with God. God says you make a decision. You have to choose. Can't fool around with God. You choose. You make a choice. Think about marriage. I'm going to marry Emily, but I'm going to date somebody else on Tuesday. That ain't going to happen. You make a choice. And that is what Joshua was telling the people, you choose. He said either you serve Baal or you serve God. Nobody likes indecision. You ever gone out to eat with somebody? Hey, where would you like to eat? I don't care. I don't either. You sort of drive around for like three hours trying to make up a decision. And then you finally say, I'm kind of hungry for Mexican food. I'm not really hungry for Mexican food. And that ticks you off. I mean, then why don't you just make a decision? And we go, kind of go round and round. Nobody likes indecision. What do we like? We like it when somebody just very simply makes a choice. Now, I know some of us struggle with making decisions, right? I, mean, I would like to do this. But I'm worried about it. We have a hard time pulling the trigger. Now, if, that's you, if you struggle with that, then let me encourage you to do something. Especially when it comes to, to whether or not you're really going to... You know, We're making New Year's resolutions. If you're really going to follow God... And, but you're not real sure what you're going to do, here's a simple thing to do. Make a pro and pros and cons list with God. If the pros in following God outweigh the cons, do this, follow Him. That's the easy way to make a decision. Follow Him. Now in your own life, if you say, well, I think the cons outweigh the pros. Now this is going to seem strange here, coming from a preacher. Okay, if you believe that, don't follow Him. But make a decision. Guys, we are living in a time when it's time to choose. We have been wishy-washy as believers for way too long. We have to choose. Are we going to serve God or are we not going to serve Him? We have to make a decision. Now, here's what's really cool about God. God allows us to see both sides of the equation. God says, listen, this is what I offer and here's what the world offers. He didn't try to hide anything from us. He said, this is what I offer. This is what the world offers. Now you make a choice. What are you going to choose? It reminds me of the, uh, the Iliad. Uh, Homer wrote it. And of course, it's a story about, you might remember, Ulysses. And in the story, Ulysses is sailing by the Isle of the Sirens. And if you remember that story from what, like ninth or 10th grade, whenever you had to read it, the sirens would play beautiful music and the sailors would be drawn to the island. And whenever they got to the island, of course, then they would be slaughtered. And so Ulysses knew this and he didn't want to be tempted. So if you remember in the story what he did to keep from being tempted, he put wax in the ears of all his sailors and he tied himself to the mast. And that way he would not give in to the temptation. And they sailed right by the aisle. And they were spared. Now, in the same story, there was another man who's a sailor. His name was Orpheus. And he was an incredible musician. And he didn't use wax in his ears to not be tempted. Do you know what he did? If you remember, what he did was he played better music. And so as his sailors listened to his music and the music of the sirens... They stuck with the better music. Guys, that is exactly what God does. He says you get to make a choice. And He lets the world play its music and then God plays better music. And we get to decide whose music we're going to listen to. God's or the world's? Now let me close, close with this question. Have you made a decision yet? Have you chosen... Have you finally decided who you're you're going to live for? Because you see, we we cannot. Now, I know the world tells us this, but according to Scripture, we cannot live for both God and this world. We have to choose. You serve one or the other, there's no in-between. And my hope is that we'll come to the same conclusion that Joshua did when he said in verse number 15, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But if you make that decision, understand this. When you choose God, it means you serve Him. And God's going to hold you accountable. You're responsible. But there comes a time when you have to choose. Now, you may have never made that decision before. Maybe you've toyed around with it. You know, you thought about it. There's some, maybe you come into the church, you've done some good things. But when, when you look at it all, you see, my, but it's I still play both sides of the fence. Guys, it's time to choose. And if you're ready to choose, then I'll encourage you to do that today. To, to, claim, to claim your stake, to put your stake down with Jesus and say, God, I don't understand everything, but I'm going to hang on to you. And if you're ready to do that, I'll encourage you in just a few moments. We're going to pray, and you just tell God that. Say, God, today, I, I am going to hang on to you. I will serve you. I will choose you, as Joshua said, and follow you. Now, there are others of you, maybe you're, you're, you're a believer, but you say, you know, I feel like the Israelites. I've just had some things come into my life. And then there's some idols in my life that I am putting before God. You know what? Confess those to God today. Say, God, break down those idols in my life. Lord, I want to turn my back on those things that I put before you, and I just simply want to serve you and put you first. God, forgive me. I can't think of a better way to start the new year than to say, God, today I'm choosing you.